Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jennifer Burns. I am the visitation minister here at Asbury United Methodist Church. I am also the social media coordinator, so I am usually behind the scenes doing all the tech, but today I am blessed to be in front of you to share a message for Human Relations Sunday. This is one of six special Sundays designated by the United Methodist Church as opportunities to illustrate the nature and calling of the church. The special Sundays are placed on the calendar to make clear the calling of the church as the people of God. In this past week, we commemorated Human Trafficking Awareness Day on Monday, January 11 and Korean American Heritage Day on Wednesday, January 13th. Looking forward to this next week, we have the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Tomorrow, January 18, is a federal holiday for the observance of the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This day is important to think about the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement, and the current state of racial injustice in our country. On Wednesday, January 20th, we will commemorate Inauguration Day, and a newly elected president will take on leadership of our country. In the month of January, we also had National Buffet Day on January 2nd, National Spaghetti Day on January 4th, Elvis Presley would have turned 85 on January 8th, Houseplant Appreciation Day was January 10th, and National Milk Day was on January 11th. This coming Tuesday is National Popcorn Day, Thursday the 21st is National Penguin Day, and last but definitely not least, we have National Hot Chocolate Day on January 31st. All of these days on our calendar, as serious or as humorous as they may be, are in addition to our own work schedules, school calendars, medical appointments, children's extracurricular activities, household tasks, bill pay due dates, and so on and so on. There are many, many things clamoring for our attention and our time, and we simply become overwhelmed trying to wade through it all and prioritize how to spend the limited resources of our time and our energy. If you look around at our world, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you might be on, it is plain to see the brokenness, hurt, and need in our country and in the world at large. Many of these issues, racial injustice, for example, are big and complex, and we simply aren't sure what we are supposed to do about them. When ordinary people are faced with big oppositions, the instinctual response is fight or flight. We don't think we can fight them being ordinary people, and so the flight response wins. There is never anything good on the news, and so we stop watching. There are too many graphic pictures and infographs with scary statistics in the newspaper, and so we stop reading. Social media has too many arguing voices. No one seems to know what they're talking about or have any actual resources to back up their opinions. 
and so we disengage, log off, and remove ourselves from the conversation. It is far more fun and comfortable to celebrate National Hot Dog Day or National Spaghetti Day than it is to acknowledge the evil of human trafficking. It is more enjoyable to celebrate Elvis's birthday and spend the day nostalgically listening to his music than it is to hear accounts from Korean Americans of the ways they've been discriminated against since the beginning of this pandemic because of the origination of the COVID-19 virus in China. Those of us who have the ability to disengage from the uncomfortable goings-on in our world, to turn our face away from what we do not want to see, first need to recognize and understand the privilege that we have in our ability to do that. Consider the feelings of the black man driving alone in a car when a police car pulls in behind him, although he knows he hasn't done anything wrong. Consider the young girl living with the effects that come after having been abducted and sold into slavery. Consider the Muslim woman getting the side eye on a public bus from people looking at her hijab. Consider the life of a 60-year-old man in prison for a nonviolent drug offense he committed as a teenager that condemned him to a life sentence in prison. Consider the Singaporean woman at the grocery store getting the wide berth because people don't want to be too close to the Asian lady, even though they aren't staying six feet away from anyone else. There are many, many people in all kinds of situations and circumstances who simply cannot choose to turn away from this sin and evil because it is part of their everyday reality and there is no escape from it. Whether we see it or whether we want to admit it, this sin and evil is part of all of our daily realities as well. So, as regular, everyday people, how do we respond to these things in our world? Aren't these things for legislators and government officials to handle? Isn't separation of church and state a thing? First off, the misconception about the separation of church and state is that it was enacted in order to protect the state, or in this case the country, from the church. In fact, quite the opposite is true. The separation of church and state was enacted to protect churches and ensure the right to religious freedom. The words separation of church and state are actually not in the Constitution or any other legal founding document at all. What is written is, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. This was only meant to stipulate that there was to be no national religion that people would be forced to adhere to, but it does not mean that Christians or adherents of any other religion could not advocate for politics or social issues according to the teachings of their faith backgrounds. In his own ministry, Jesus heralded the call for social justice advocacy. In Luke 4, 18-19, as Jesus was entering the synagogue at Nazareth, he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As a denomination, the United Methodist Church has been at the forefront of the work for social justice reform on many different fronts. These issues are not political issues. They are human rights issues. 
The offices of the United Methodist Board for Church and Society, which is the social policy advocacy arm of the denomination, are located at the corner of Maryland Avenue in Washington, D.C., Kitty Corner from the United States Supreme Court. They have been at this location for over a 100 years. It is the only faith-oriented, non-governmental building on Capitol Hill. Their marquee sign in front of the building is notorious for inherently issue-focused statements such as Black Lives Matter, Healthcare is a Human Right, Women Have the Right to Live Without Violence, You Cannot Serve Two Masters, You Cannot Serve God and White Supremacy, I Was a Stranger and You Tear Gassed Me. Oh, wait. The other location for the General Board's offices are in New York City, in United Nations Plaza. If these prominent physical locations don't say anything about our commitment as the body of the church to have a place at the table, then I don't know what else does. So while we have perhaps answered the question of our right to a place at the table and the call that is on us to speak up and to speak out against sin and evil in the world, there are still the questions of, but what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? Where do I start? It is true that the list of sins and examples of brokenness in our world is great. Homelessness, food insecurity, alcoholism, addiction, sexual violence, gang violence, climate change, diseases that run rampant in communities such as malaria and AIDS, our broken judicial and incarceration systems, our broken immigration system, our broken health care system, inequitable access to education, the list goes on and on. The most famous quote attributed to John Wesley is, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. This is undoubtedly a very tall order. We are each only one person, and we each can only do so much. But we are also part of a body that can do more in unison together than any one of us could ever hope to do alone. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The key point here is the race marked out for us. Sin and the need for the love of Jesus Christ in our world are so great that there is room for a host of hands to divide the work among them and each take their part. The race that I am called to run, the work that I am called to do, will be different from the race that anyone else is called to done and the work that anyone else is called to do. At the beginning of this service, we sang a call, song called Hosanna. That word Hosanna is a Greek word that most scholars believe is the transliteration of two Hebrew words, Yasha, which means to save or deliver, and Anna, which means please, I beseech. So when we cry out Hosanna in prayer, we are literally saying, please God, save us. 
This is a word that we hear throughout the scripture, six times within the New Testament, and typically announcing Jesus' arrival to a place. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the song we sang earlier, we sang the words, I see a new revival, starting as we pray and seek. We're on our knees. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As we talked about earlier, the first step to advocating for human rights, equality, and the end of the reign of sin that we see all around us is to open our eyes to things that are unseen, to be committed to confronting the things that we wish we didn't have to confront, and to say, this cannot be allowed to stand. In the scripture that we read earlier, we are told that Samuel heard a calling, but because he did not fully know the Lord, it was hard for him to discern where the calling was coming from or what he was being asked to do. Eli repeatedly told Samuel when he came answering the call that it was not Eli who called him. It took three times before it finally occurred to Eli who was actually calling upon Samuel and for him to give Samuel direction on how to answer by saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When we pray that prayer, break my heart for what breaks yours. We see ourselves watching the news and the happenings of this world and thinking, Hosanna, please God, save us from this. This is how we can begin to discern what are we what we are being called to use our energy for advocacy towards. When we see the images of police brutality, of children in detention centers that no child should be in, when we see the need for changes in our correctional systems, and we think that someone, somewhere, should do something about what we see, this is where we can call on God. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Is this what you are calling me to? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say? Who shall I say it to? The things that break our hearts most certainly break God's heart. The Unitarian clergyman Edward Everett Hale wrote a book called A Year of Beautiful Thoughts. One of those beautiful thoughts was the quote, I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. The something I ought to do, I can do, and by the grace of God, I will. Discerning the call might take two or three calls as it did for Samuel. It may come in different forms. Samuel heard an audible voice, as did Adam and Eve in the garden. Mary was visited by an angel of the Lord. Moses had his burning bush. God came to Paul in a vision. We don't know when or how the Lord will call us to what he has in his purpose for us, but if something is in the will of the Lord, we can rest assured that he will send the message loud and clear for us to hear and that he will continue to send it until we answer the call. We are each only one, but together we are mighty, powerful, and numerous. We should not let the magnitude of the job before us stop us from taking it on. This important work and the futures of our brothers and sisters in Christ literally depend on the success of these missions. We must open our eyes to see what is happening around us, to those things unseen. 
We should align our hearts with the hearts of those victimized by sin and evil and continually commit ourselves to loving our neighbors as we are called to do. We do this by demanding reforms and justice in all the avenues where it is needed. The observance of these special Sundays, which are in line with the advocacy work of the denomination, are opportunities for us to slow down in the midst of the hustle and bustle of all the demands on our own lives, our time, and our energy, and to pay special attention to needs that we are called to advocate for as Christians, and more specifically as United Methodists. Human relations or racial justice, the impact of sharing the gospel around the world on World Communion Sunday, the need for humanitarian aid and crisis response on UMCOR Sunday, the need to acknowledge the contributions of Black Indigenous people of color on Native American Sunday, the need for justice reform on Peace with Justice Sunday, and the need to nurture and train up young people to continue the ministry around the world on United Methodist Student Sunday. This is by no means a comprehensive list of all the ills in the world, but it is a place to find a start and a place where the work is already in motion, but where there is still much work left to be done. Beginning next Sunday, Pastor Julie will be starting a sermon series entitled, For I Know the Plans, based on the scripture from Jeremiah 29:11, where we will continue to talk about how we discern our purpose, how we can fulfill the plans that God has for each of us. The series will take us to the first week of Lent. We will prepare for hearing the call to action from the Lord and to being ready to answer as Eli directed Samuel. If he calls you, you should say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So as you go today, take a moment to think how you can begin to pray that prayer of discomfort. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I am only one. I cannot do everything, but I am one and I can do something. What are you calling me to do? Amen.